0: Apostle Paul was the utmost Pharisee. He was a persecutor of the way. He was uh, the religious of the religious of the, of the Jewish Pharisees. And what we're going to see is he met Jesus. And everything changed. Everything changed. And the more time he began to spend with Jesus, the more he began to change and to begin to take on what Jesus looked like. The once proud man was forever changed and even Uh, Considered himself uh, one to pour out his life for the sake of the ones he, he actually hunted to try and kill. Isn't it interesting that this is how Jesus works? We meet him, he changes us, and we're forever changed. And the more time we spend with him, the more we are changed into his image. So, in our text today in Philippians 2 4 through 7, I just want to simply argue that spending time with Jesus humbles us to serve others. Spending time with Jesus humbles us to serve others. So let's go ahead and read Philippians 2, verses 4 through 7 together. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Now, some brief context before we we jump in here. We, We know that Paul spent a lot of time with Jesus, and we know that he began to resemble Jesus in many ways, both physically and spiritually. He was beaten and marred and bruised, much like the Lord Jesus. He spiritually became one who would lay down his life for others, like the Lord Jesus. He was a humble man. In fact, it was from prison that he wrote this letter we're, we're reading in Philippians today, which we've heard about in our, in our morning series in Acts. It was during that suffering where he's actually looking out for those that he cares for, that he writes to. And in chapter 1, verse 27, we see him write this, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Although this, this passage should be considered us by us individually, and we will do so tonight, the main thrust here is collectively to the church. There's a reason why he's, he's saying to be unified, that we need to shoulder, go side by side together. You see, there is there's opportunity uh, and disunity that he speaks about in the beginning of chapter two, these detrimental dividers of vain glory or vain conceit and, and uh, to where, uh, in rivalry. These are things within a body that weaken the body when they're present. If you've ever uh, looked in sports at scouting reports when you're scouting out an opponent, or if you look in business at market research of competitors and you see disunity, you see... Parts of the team go in different directions. It signals weakness. But for opponents, it signals opportunity to strike. Delry Baptist Church, we have an enemy who desires to strike when there's opportunity there. So, in one way, Paul is telling us to protect ourselves from this type of disunity in the body. And the way that we are to avoid and fight against these detrimental dividers is through the path humility. So with our remaining time tonight, I just want to look at four brief applications to our life from the text which might help us at, at this church to pursue the true humility that we're called to more faithfully. So four applications. First, if you're taking notes, we look to Jesus as our example for true humility and service. Paul gives us here this hymn of Christ, as it's called, in verses 5 through 11. It shows us the perfect example of humility. Perfect example of living out this principle and mindset of what humility is. As Christians, we are not left alone to pursue pursue humility in the abstract. We don't have to figure it out ourselves. We have an example. In fact, it's the best example. I don't know if you've ever tried to do something that's really complex and hard without seeing someone else do it. That's really hard. It's like trying to do origami in the dark. It's it's not gonna happen or go real well. I remember uh, growing up in college when I was playing baseball, I tried to teach myself how to switch hit, meaning I hit from the right side and the left side. And the experts would say that's a really hard thing to do the older you are. And although I took repetition after repetition, I worked harder than anyone out there, the first thing I actually did was I looked to my brother. You see, he was a switch hitter who taught himself. So I began to spend time with him and ask him questions and and look at how he did it in order to inform how I would do it. You see, counting others as more significant than yourself is not natural to us. We don't know what that fully looks like until we look to Jesus. He is the perfect example. So what is this perfect example which beckons us towards true humility? Well, it would have been right and good for Jesus to assume and show that he had never uh, his, his right form of godhood when he was incarnate. He had that right when he came to earth. But instead, he set aside that right. His divine nature did not change through his humiliation. He emptied himself by taking on humanity. He remained the one who was there in the beginning with God, who was with God, who created all things. He remained the before Abraham was, I am one, burning brightly to Moses and his people. He remained the one who would deliver his people from slavery and through the sea of sin to the promised land. He remained the one of whom the law and the prophets pointed to, the long foretold Messiah. He remained the one who would fully and finally sit at the right hand of the father as the true king. This is the one who humbled himself for you and for me. And Paul says, follow that example. If the perfect creator God bridged the immeasurable gap between God and man, how much more can we bridge the gap between one another? Question for you. How does your service in the church, both formally and informally, reflect Jesus' example? would love for you to talk about that afterwards. So the first first thing is we look to Jesus as our example of true humility and true service. Secondly, we must deny ourselves like Jesus did. In verse 4, Paul tells us that we ought not look to our own interests, but to the interests of others. Inherent in this verse is the idea of denial. We must deny ourselves. This is what Paul means when he says, look not only to your own interests. The world uh, then was not different than it is now in the sense that it was saturated with selfishness. (laughs) Everything was about self, Self self-care, self-advocacy, self-promotion, self- self preservation, self-reliance, self-focus. You fill in the gap, self, 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 and it's not different now. Paul calls each of us to take the first step in denying ourselves for uh, before true humility can be applied. Just to be clear, this does not mean we don't take care of ourselves. In fact, Paul assumes that in this, in this. He says that you will take care of yourself, but take care of others as well. Don't forget. Take care of others. See, there's this natural tendency that we're going to have, this natural temptation to elevate our own interests above those of others. Have you felt that? <laughs> That's a daily grind, a moment-by-moment grind, if we're being honest. So there is this denying what my flesh in this world says is of paramount importance, me, 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 in order to look at one of our brothers and sisters and say, you, 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 you're more important than me. I'm going to sacrifice my rights, whatever that looks like in that context, to serve you. Now, we don't just wake up and simply do that, like we're putting on socks or a shirt. (laughs) It's hard, just like anything in our life, it's wrought in, in faith in the life of the believer. It's contended for daily. But we must proactively do this. We must deny ourselves. We must stiff arm those desires of the flesh to elevate ourselves above anyone else. And we, we must look to serve. Left to ourselves, we will see others as teammates, not as rivals. Instead of rivals. Uh, sorry, we'll look to others, not as teammates, but as rivals. We'll see the race that we're on, not as a team event, but as an individual one, where we're trying to cross the finish line, no matter what it takes, including stepping on our brothers and sisters. We will do anything, but the way of Christian humility is not self-denial to raise ourselves, but rather self-denial to raise our brothers and sisters. It's another question for you. What might it look like for you to grow in seeing and serving one another as teammates? rather than competitors as similarly struggling saints rather than inconveniences we're in a busy world here in DC it is inconvenient to serve to set aside your rights let's just call that out what does it look like for you to actually set aside your rights and serve again another question there i'd love for you to think about so we are called to look to Jesus as our example of humility we're called That we must deny ourselves like Jesus did. And thirdly, we must remember our starting point. This comparison that Paul lays out here of Christ's example is inverse to our situation. We can't get this twisted. Christ, being God Himself, the height of all glory and majesty, stoops lower than low by becoming a man to serve us. We don't start up there, (laughs) we start down here. We must get this right. The starting point is, is paramount. We don't go around thinking that we are better than others starting at a, a higher level to serve them. No, we have to stoop low and understand that, that we are sinners just like the, everyone else across the aisle. Christ gives up his majesty by stooping low to put on humanity. We are not called to think highly of ourselves, like that we're unbelievably godly people. <laughs> we are simply sinners saved by the grace of God, and you are too, and I'm gonna do my best to serve you. We're called not to think higher of ourselves than we ought. We need to follow Christ's example of humility by not wrongly believing that we are better than we are, therefore exalting ourselves. But how do we do this, you may ask? Well, this is really what looking to Christ, what, what that process does to us. When we look to Christ, we begin to assess ourselves in comparison to Christ, not to each other. When I look at others, I can assess all the time and say, I'm better at that than them. I'm, I'm better than that. Ah, they, they need some room to grow to get up to my level. But when I looked at Christ, I'm like Paul knocked off the horse on my knees. I'm undone. C.J. Mahaney, in his uh, excellent book, Humility, defines true humility as honestly assessing ourselves in light of God's holiness and our sinfulness. Every good endeavor begins with an honest assessment of where we are at. But assessments are only as good as they are truthful, reflecting accurately what is going on. So our understanding of where where we are at cannot begin with heights, but rather with depths. We reflect on and remember that we were dead in our sins. Enemies of the very one who humbled himself to draw near to us. Paul commands us to have this mindset which is ours if we are united to Christ by his spirit. This is what Paul means with that phrase, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We have been united to Christ. That is done. If you are in Christ, you have been united, receiving his spirit. This is your posture. You are called now to be humble, to grow in sanctification, grow in humility as you look to Christ and as you seek to serve others. So we no longer must now choose the path of pride as we were before Christ, which leads to death. But now we can choose the path of, of life, the path of humility. So question for you. Do you tend to hold your God-given power or position over your family, friends, co workers, church members, rather than using it to serve them? To hold your position, which is God given, over those in your life, rather than using it to serve them. Well, fourthly, in our last application here, we look to Jesus as the one who actually changes us into humbler people. Although Jesus is our example, and this passage clearly lays that out for us, we can't help but see how Jesus changed the lives of those he spent time with. Just look at the disciples. Watch how they become more and more humble as they spend more and more time with Jesus. This, is, this should be instructive for us. This harkens back to the example of the Apostle Paul himself in the opening illustration. Yet there is a way to spend time with someone which has little to no impact on you, isn't there? The picture of the, the dad in the park glued to his phone while his kids are just running around him. There's a way to spend time and not actually be impacted. Now, what we're talking about here is actual real time, intimate time, heartfelt time that changes the way we think and believe. It changes our affections and desires. It changes our commitments and what we do with our life. This is the type of time that I'm talking about. And I'm not saying that it always has to feel this way because the reality is it doesn't and it won't. But it should be our aim. It should be our aim to spend this type of time, and we should think about how we orient our lives around that. This idea that you are so enamored with Jesus that you, you're willing to lay aside all your interests to bridge gaps between you and another member. Do you have, do you have beef with another member? Are you willing to lay aside all your, your rights that are boiling up in your heart and you saying? An, I'm going to take that first step and I'm going to serve and talk to them. You're so enamored with Jesus, you'll do the hard things. You'll go talk to that person that you're very scared to talk to because you want to serve them. The person who's struggling and you it's a public struggle, you know what's going on, whether it be cancer or other, other types of struggles, and you're just intimidated by that. But you're so enamored with Jesus that you will begin to pray You'll begin to think, to strategize, to orient your life about how can I serve that person? How can I do it? See, the more we look to Jesus, the more we're changed. The humbler we become, the more prone we are to want to serve our brothers and sisters. Another question for you. What might you need to do to orient or reorient your life to spend more real time with Jesus? What might you do, need to do to orient or reorient your life to spend more time with Jesus? You know, if, if humble service flows from the power source of Jesus, we ought to spend more time with the power source of Jesus. <laughs> you know, in, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul gives us this picture of the Christian walk. He says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This is the process of change for the Christian. This is our walk. We spend time with Jesus through his word and prayer, meditation with him, and he changes us. Part of that change is he begins to chip away at the pride of of our flesh and grows a unique-to-the-world type of humility. We begin seeing things about others that may have annoyed or frustrated us as not that big of a deal. And therefore, being willing to lay aside our rights and serve them. We begin growing less demanding, selfish, exacting, more tender, more gentle, more willing, as we've said, to serve. Delray Baptist Church, I've seen this humility, countless examples I've seen this, both formally or you know, spoken about publicly, and behind the scenes when you didn't think someone was watching. But I saw some of those too. (laughs) So encouraged by what the Lord has been doing in this. But let's pray that the Lord would do more. Let's pray that the Lord would make us a humble people. Humble people willing to set aside all of our rights, everything that we might think is a right or interest to serve one another as we help one another to that celestial city. Because we will need help. We need brothers and sisters to serve us. And I will too. So let's, let's ask the Lord for that type of grace and that type of help. So we pray with me? Father, we thank you that you saw fit to send your son to be a man, to live that perfect life that we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserve, to rise again, defeating sin and death, and offering us mercy. Lord, we remember the way we were before, that we were helpless and hopeless, but you stepped in and gave us life. And Lord, we thank you that you're not done with us. We thank you that you desire to continue to transform us, both individually and as a body here. Oh, Lord, would you make us a humble people? Would you make us a people here that would indeed set aside our rights to serve one another? Would you protect us from those detrimental dividers of rivalry and conceit and anything else that would would get in the way of us more fully picturing your gospel to the watching world? Would you help bring glory to yourself in this body, Lord? Thank you for these brothers and sisters. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.